Welcome to week number two, everybody, of a better rhythm. I already admitted last week, I have no rhythm. UPS ruined my rhythm for life. We have a need for speed and that speed of life. Like we can't stop is messing us up. We're binge watching something. We're doing social media all the time. We're on hinge. We're swiping, 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 but we're always doing something. We want to talk about a better rhythm to have a more meaningful satisfying life. We have got to get in rhythm and in rhythm with God. And you know what's so fascinating? The top three things, I said it last week, it's money and then it's work and it's personal relationships. We have got to get those three because something's driving us. We're stressed about them. We got to get God's perspective. And what's amazing to me is that is where the Bible starts. It starts with work. We have to work for a particular meaning It's our identity. We need to know what our identity is. There's no perfect job, but there is a perfect perspective on work. And now today, you are a lover. Last week, you're a creator. You're a creator of meaning. This week, number two, you're a lover. So what is love? You know, the most popular definition of love is love is a mystery. But here's what American poet E.E. Cummings said about love. Unless you love someone... Nothing else makes any sense. You are a lover. This is what we want to talk about today. All right. A better rhythm for life. You've got to find your person. I want to read to you again from the incredible philosophical work of Ecclesiastes. This is what it says in chapter four. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. It's a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Listen, everybody, we need to have meaning and satisfaction in life. We are churning, churning, churning in the United States of America. We have so much of abundance, but yet we're dissatisfied. And here in the opening pages of the Bible, which we'll talk about today, we hit on immediately. God addresses the very things that are driving our lives. And this wonderful philosophical work of Ecclesiastes last week gave us so much to think about that is verified so much by scientific research today. We are empty and now relationships. If we don't deal with work and relationships and think about them seriously, we are never going to find contentment. So here we go. I want to go back Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Too often, we look at them like this. We read Genesis 1, we read Genesis 2, we're looking at them in a linear fashion, and we're saying there's contradictions between the two. They're obviously meant to be read side by side, one about your work, one about your person. Today is all about relationships. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. Your friends, your family, you have got to have better relationships. If you're a follower of Jesus and you follow his ways, you're going to have higher quality relationships. This is what it says in Genesis chapter chapter two. Very important here. 
You want to have better relationships? Here we go. Genesis 2.2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Well, this is really interesting. God blesses the seventh day. Here's the Sabbath. It's the only thing that we have in the Ten Commandments from these opening pages of the Bible Honor the Sabbath day. It's a big, big deal. God blesses. God's excited. Do you want to be blessed? Honor the Sabbath day. How do you honor the Sabbath day? What's going on here? Well, did you catch that? In verse number two, it says, on the seventh day, God finished working. So God's working on the seventh day. And then it later says in the second half of that verse, verse number two, it says, God rested on the seventh day. So it's God working the seventh day or is God resting on the seventh day? What you find going on here is this contradiction is to make us think. This is indicating positive rest. What is positive rest? Well, rest. Rest is something that you do that you just stop doing. It's a ceasing of doing something. But in this case, God is intentional. He's taking an intentional break so that something else can happen. We must stop creating, which we talked about last week. We must stop creating so we can start relating. You know, one of the quickest way for you to have better relationships, whether they're friendships or romantic relationships, slow down, stop. What's fascinating here is the fourth commandment out of the 10 commands. The first three deal with our relationship with God. And then the remaining ones deal with our relationships with people. But right in between that is commandment number four, honor the Sabbath day. The word means to stop. The bridge between the two is us stopping and slowing down because relationships, the speed of love is slow. First Corinthians chapter 13, known as the love chapter of the Bible, it begins this way. Let me show you the most excellent way. And then it defines for us love. What is the first descriptor of love? First Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. Love is slow. So what is the speed of love? The speed is slow. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. Please slow down. That's what the Sabbath is all about. It's about stopping. Now, Freud, probably the most enduring and important idea that he left behind is the id, the ego, and the superego. The id is impulsive. It's all about your instincts, right? It's speed, this need for speed. It wants to go fast. It wants to just... Work off of our instincts, what just comes natural to us, our desires. Like last week, we talked about chasing after the wind, chasing after our desires. That's the id. Then there's the ego. The ego, everybody, is that voice of wisdom and reason and reality in you. It wants to go slow. It wants to think things through. It wants to have a long-term plan, not in the moment, wants to think long term. Then the superego. What's superego? Superego is like, well, I heard it described this way. It's like your parent in the back seat of the car, just sharing wisdom about their history with life and how things work and what's going on. It's like what's above the sun from Ecclesiastes. It's the, it's the word of God giving us wisdom about how life works. So the id, the id is instinct, kind of like an animal. It's all about instincts. And what the Bible is, it's laying on us what Ecclesiastes says, this heavy burden of doing what? Of thinking things through. You can't just live by instinct. 
You can't just go around. You are far more than an animal. We might share a lot of things in common with an animal, but you know one thing that is radically different? Your brain. Radically different than an animal. Your brain won't allow you just to run on the id. If you run just on the id, your impulsivity and your instinct, you will be dissatisfied with life. And here is what your brain wants. Your brain wants to bond. You and I have a bonding brain, and it craves bonding. You're a lover, and your lover inside of you wants to bond. Now, it's so unfortunate, everybody, that we look at these two stories of Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and too often, I said this last week, we see the contradictions. That's It's not meant to be read that way. It's meant, meant to be read side by side, and it's looking two important things, work and your person, okay? And we get caught up in things that are right at the surface level. God doesn't want us to be caught up in the surface. God's word is deep and it's powerful. You know, when we're caught at the surface level, it appeals to a very narrow group of people, church people. But Jesus is very deep. And when you go past the surface into the depths of God's word, it has broad appeal to all people. That's why Jesus appealed to everybody. Far too often churches, we say, oh man, we're going deep. So those non-church going people aren't going to understand it. No, no, that's shallow. That's shallow. That's shallow. What deep is, is Jesus. It's when you get into the depths of God's word and then it appeals to everybody. who's like, oh my gosh, God is telling me the story of my life. So it's so very unfortunate that we look at Genesis 1 and 2 and we get caught up with, what is going on here? Are these seven 24-hour literal days? So we have these real surface kind of debates about this. Oh, is it seven 24-hour literal days? I mean, it doesn't really make sense. It's so much on the surface because there is a much deeper meaning that appeals to all humanity because God loves all people that is right there if we will just go below the surface to read the depths of God's word. So you have an all-powerful God. Take seven days to create the world. Now you got to ask yourself, an all-powerful God, why seven days? Why seven days? Why the number seven? Doesn't make it. If God is all powerful, why not one day? Why not boom one day? How about one hour? Or what about one minute? Why can't God just do it in one minute? Why does the all powerful God need seven whole days to create? Oh, by the way, the tabernacle—they took seven days to create that. And by the way, in the Bible, seven days means completion or satisfaction, which is what we're all looking for in life. And how are we going to find that satisfaction? And also, by the way, you know, outside of the garden. You find these cherubs and they're guarding the way to the tree of life. And there's only one other place you see cherubs. They're in the tabernacle and they are guarding God's word, the Torah, the Ten Commandments. Isn't that interesting? So seven days, is it meaning seven literal 24-hour days? It's not really the point. The point is that God can lead us to satisfaction. There has to be a Sabbath, though. There has to be a stopping. You know why? Because until you stop creating and working and worrying about stuff, you can't relate. So here's the point. Stop creating, start relating. The speed of love is slow. Listen, we need to stop. We need a break. We are driven, but we need a better rhythm. 
If I am with my wife, Krista, or I am with my friends and I'm on my phone doing social media the whole time or on my email doing work stuff all the time, are we having a great relationship? No, great relationships, there has to be a break. And that's the point of the Sabbath. Because every week in the rhythm of life, God is saying that you need to stop doing everything else because of the importance of relationships. And relationships don't happen on speed drive. They happen when we slow down because love is patient. This is why it's so incredibly important to us. Now, I want to say something about bonding here. I want to say something about monogamy because there's all kinds of thoughts on the subject. I noticed that Scarlett Johansson uh, recently said, she said this, monogamy is not natural. CNN ran a headline that said this, face it, monogamy is unnatural. Now we hear these things in the world. We hear that biologically we want to spread our genes around. And so we kind of, we know now that marriage and bonding to one person for life is kind of ridiculous. We hear all this stuff out in the world. Look, there's a lot of people saying a lot of stuff out there. Doesn't mean it's true. I remember when uh, Krista had her first dog, Butterscotch, that the dog would always like to play tug of war with me, you know, get a little toy or a sheet or a sock, doesn't matter, tug of war. Because said, oh, no, no, no. I heard people say that it's not good to do tug of war with the dog. It's bad, bad, bad. Well, now we have another dog and this dog is wild. I mean, it's running, jumping. I knew the first week when we had this dog and it like ran right through a bush in our front yard. I said, this is going to be a different dog. And this dog is. So we're watching all these real popular YouTube videos on how to train this dog. And I noticed one of the first thing this trainer who has millions of followers said is do tug of war with your dog because that's the play that the dog needs. So you can bond with the dog. It's really important to play and to do the tug of war. Everybody, there is so much ridiculousness out there of people saying all kinds of things about all kinds of relationships. Let me tell you what the truth is from neuroscientists. And it's study after study after study after study. Your brain wants to bond. Your brain has a need to bond. You're a lover and you need to bond and you're not going to be satisfied until you do. Now, I want to read something to you. I want to read from Genesis chapter 2. This is what it says. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united. Other words that are put there for united, cleave, cling, remain, united to, stick with, etc., etc. This is why a man will be united to his wife and they become one flesh. Do you know, kind of coming through this pandemic and all the stuff that it's brought on our relationships, who is looking for a committed relationship more, men or women? Men. If you answered men, you got it right. Matter of fact, only 11% of the people coming out of this pandemic are looking for casual relationships. The vast majority of people want a committed relationship. Why is that? Because our brains have a need to bond. That's what the neuroscientists have emphatically told us. Your brain wants to bond. It doesn't want to spread your genes around. Satisfaction is found in monogamy. It's found in bonding with somebody. And in Genesis chapter 2, right at the beginning of the Bible, boom, we hit the nail right on the head. You've got to work. You've got to have a purpose. You've got to have a mission. And that mission must have meaning to it. Last week. This week, 
God's word is telling us right to start that you have got to bond with somebody and bond with them for life. I know marriages have all kinds of problems, okay? But we got to try to work our way through them because our brain is demanding a bond out of us. And it's particularly demanding that out of men. So, so much foolishness has been said, uh, you know, about marriage and particularly, again, I want to focus here on men for a second because the scripture I just read is dealing with Adam. Okay. Adam has something missing. Now, what I read is that it's his rib. Technically in Hebrew, it's something from his side. We don't exactly know what that is, but here's what we absolutely do know that Adam, the man, is missing something and he's looking for that something that he is missing. And God is telling us right up front, that thing that's missing from man's life is another person, your person. And if you want to find satisfaction in life, get rid of all the lies out there that you're not meant to bond and instead deal with God's word thousands of years ago and the latest and greatest science and all of history and realize that your brain is seeking to bond. Maybe that is why married men are doing so much better in life, proven over and over and over again. I just, it floors me when people say, oh yeah, men shouldn't get married because biologically it's not good for them to get married and it's just a bad thing for men to get married. Okay, <laughs> study after study. Married men do better spiritually, socially, sexually, financially, emotionally. I. We're hitting all the major categories, everybody. Married men just do better. Could it be? Could it be that because God has told us in his word in Genesis chapter two, right up front, that a man is looking for something. He is searching for something. He's empty and he looks at his person. And in this case, Genesis two, even he says, that's it. She is me. Now it says that he'll leave his father and mother. That's the closest bond that you have. Why in the world would you ever leave your father and mother? You'd leave to cleave to Eve. Why? Because she is from me. She represents that part of me that's missing. I got a hole inside of me and she completes me. That's exactly what Eve does. She brings completion to the man. And until he finds his Eve and bonds with her, he will forever be empty and dissatisfied with life. Because why? Because the neuroscientists tell us today, our brains... Our brains want to bond. Now, you can fight this all you want. You can come up with little quips and say, oh, this person said this, or this is online, or this is social media, but the neuroscientists are really clear on this. Your brain is a bonding brain, and it is looking for love now. You're not going to find that unless you slow down, because that's the speed of love. you got to get in the right rhythm. And if you're going too fast, you're not going to have good friendships. You're not going to have good family relationships. All your relationships, and particularly with that person, your love, your romantic relationship is never going to be. So we talk about marriage being, you know, all kinds of marriage problems, right? We can solve a lot of them. Washington, D.C. grinds up and chews and spits out marriages all the time. Speed, speed, speed. Slow down. You want a better love life? Slow down. Matter of fact, 
I have read reports that if you want to increase your chances of actually finding that person, the love of your life, slow down and your chances go up exponentially. But I tell you what, if you've already found that person, you want to enhance the quality of your relationship, slow down. Get off the phone, quit binge watching all the time, quit working all the time and just slow down. Now, I want you to think of your favorite love song. Everybody's got a favorite love song, right? I want you to think, I want you to, so just begin to hum that in your mind quietly as not to disturb people around you. But just think about that favorite love song. Now I want you to think about what would happen to that beautiful love song if you sped it up, triple, or even quadruple. What happens is you destroy that song when it goes too fast. We must slow down because the speed of love is slow. Now, here's why we're doing this. Here's why we're doing these first two parts in this series about your work, your purpose in life, that is to create meaning, and your person is because we're going to keep coming back to this sometimes in subtle ways, not sometimes not in not so subtle ways throughout the next nine months, because you have to figure out your purpose and you've got to figure out your person. And we are going to pray for this and we're going to teach for this. And we're going to look into the depths and the power of God's word about this. And then we're going to see what does science tell us and what does history tell us and how does it repeatedly confirm the powerful truths and the wisdom of God's word? And we're going to believe at the end of this that God is going to strengthen our faith. He's going to strengthen our family and our friendships. And God is going to bring about divine matches. And I want to ask that you would please pray with me about that now. Heavenly Father, I ask God that you would strengthen our faith over the next nine months. You'd strengthen our friendships and our families. And God, you would bring about dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of divine matches for your honor and your glory. In Christ's name, amen.